Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I am your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode six. And this week, we're going to talk about friendships. How do we keep them? When do we need to walk away from them? And what should you do if you were left behind? So sit back, relax, dig out some friendship bracelets and your photo albums, and let's get started. So I had a really hard time making friends as a kid. And I know that a lot of it had to do with the fact that my parents were evangelists. We lived in a motorhome. We were at a different place every week, but never for more than a week, um, 50 weeks out of the year. So I would make friends with kids at the churches we were at, but then we wouldn't come back if we came back to that church once a year. So it really wasn't a way to create lasting friendships. There was no common ground that I could form with these kids because I just never saw them. Um, I had some kids that we know we became fast friends and we would write letters to each other and that was exciting to me. My sister had no problem making friends. I can remember her going up to kids in every church we went to and she would just say, want to be friends? And they'd say, okay, (laughs) sure. And then they were friends. But I was just super introverted. I had no problem talking to adults. But kids my own age terrified me because <laughs> I didn't know really how to be social and what to talk about because I didn't have a lot of the common interests they had. I didn't play sports because we were never anywhere long enough for me to join a team. I didn't take dance. I wasn't in any of their classes. Um, so it was, it was tough. And so I was homeschooled from kindergarten all the way through fifth grade. And then in sixth grade, my parents enrolled me in the public school in the town that my grandmother and my aunt and uncle and cousins lived in Alabama. And they would leave me with my grandmother for part of the year. And then a lot of times, though, they would still take me out of school because my mom was a teacher. And so I would be caught up. They would send the work with me. And we'll talk about middle school. I've said this before. I feel like it needs to be a whole episode. But it was a real shock to my system. It was a defining moment for me. I did not know how to be an 11-year-old child (laughs) in a normal way. I could not believe that kids cussed. I could not believe that they were allowed to watch certain movies. And and I know, looking back on it, that I was super weird. (laughs) Like I came across as a real goody two-shoes and a weirdo. But I just didn't know how to be anything else. And so friendships were tough for me. And I was always thrilled when anyone wanted to be my friend. And unfortunately, I was more concerned with the fact that they liked me than asking myself, did I like them? I just really wanted to be friends with people. And so I would latch on to these friendships. And I'm sure I was probably a little smothering, honestly, because I was just so excited. And I think that's kind of going to be a subcategory of another big episode that we should talk about with people pleasing. But that is something that I still struggle with. But Having friends, wanting people to like you was was a big deal for me, and it still continues to be a big deal, and it's something that I have to talk to myself about and really um, make sure that I am friends with people for the right reasons. So I want to talk, though, about friendships as an adult, too, because it's different, right? When you are a kid, you're still getting to know yourself, even through high school and college, you're figuring out who you want to be and what you like and what you don't like and the person that you're going to become. And so I remember thinking that the high school friends I had would be friends with me for the rest of my life. And although I still have a lot of friends from high school, I have not seen some of them since we graduated uh, or I've seen them once. I have a few that I see every couple months and 
they're easy friendships um, because we just pick right back up where we left off. And those are great friendships. And then the kids in college that I was friends with, honestly, I don't think I've seen them maybe once since I graduated college. And it's not because anything bad happened. We didn't have a you know disagreement. It's just lives change and circumstances change and locations change. And it's hard to keep track <laughs> with, with each other in the way that you used to. And so it's harder, I think, to make lasting friendships as an adult because it, then it's now it's about common interests and the things that bind you are more important. So I want us to talk today about friendships as adults. How do we fight to keep those good friendships? How many friendships should we have? When should we leave a friendship? Because I think there are times that we have to walk away. And then I also want to talk about, because this has happened to me a couple times, if you're the one that was left, you're the one that someone walked away from, and it's hard. So I want to dive deep into this, and let's get into the weeds. Let's talk about it. So I found that when I got to college, making friends was a lot easier than it was in middle school and high school, mainly because I was majoring in a specific area and I was around a lot of people that were also majoring in that area and it was music. So I could talk to them at length about geeky music stuff and they did not get bored or annoyed because they were also interested in the geeky music stuff. I remember having a really long conversation with someone about how annoying it was that the lead singer of Third Eye Blind got out of breath on Saturday Night Live when he performed Semi-Charmed Kind of Life when he was doing his do-do-do, do-do-do-do because he was jumping all over the stage. And they were like, I know, his breath support was atrocious. (laughs) And I was like, yes. You know, they were my people because we had the big common interest of music that we could talk about. And that could last for hours. And so I began to realize that when you go to college, you begin to find people that share your niche interests. And it it doesn't have to be music. I mean, it can be anything. If you're into comic books, you will find someone that is into the same things that you are into. But then when you become an adult, it starts all over again being hard because now you're not in the same environment with everybody that thinks like you do. You've got to actually put yourself out there and risk you know, the vulnerability and risk being hurt, you've got to ask people to like hang out and sometimes they may not want to. You've also got to say yes to hanging out with people, even though everything inside of you is nervous about it. So it takes a little bit of work, but you can make friends. But I have found that the older I'm getting, the less close friends that I have, and it's okay. I had a lot of friends in my 20s, had a lot of friends in my 30s, But now I would say that I probably have four or five really close friends that have really stood the test of time. And I think that's a lot, honestly. I I feel really blessed that I have four or five because it takes work as an adult to keep friendships. And I I just want to talk about a few of the things that I think make a really good friendship. So one is that you can talk freely You don't have to censor yourself. When you go over to their house, you don't feel like you have to be on eggshells because you're afraid they're going to get offended. So they're not easily offended. You can pick up right where you left off. They're they're not the kind of people that are super sensitive. They understand you. They know you. Um, Also, they can be honest with you. I think that's another thing. 
the friends that I have now are people that will call me out on things when I'm not doing them the right way. And you know, the first time a friend calls you out on something, it is kind of jolting. <laughs> you just be kind of like, what? Only my mom talks to me that way. But a good friend will tell you when you're messing up. And and vice versa, you should be able to tell your friends when they're messing up. And it shouldn't end your friendship. Because if it ends the friendship, then it probably wasn't that strong to begin with. And then I think also a good friendship you fight for it. You have to show up. You have to be there when they need you and they need to be there when you need them. It can't always be rainbows and sunshine and happiness. They need to be able to be there for you when things are really rough. If you're going through something, the people that show up for you in those times are your good friends. I can't tell you how many times I have thought I was hiding a problem that I was being really good at having my church face on and being super, positive and the people that know me the most would call me and be like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Or if I'm not communicating for a few days, like if I've gotten quiet, I have a friend right now that will text me and be like, are you alive? Do I need to come looking for you? Because they know me and they know the, the signals, the signs that maybe something isn't quite right. We all need those people in our lives. So those are the things I think in adult friendships that we want to treasure and we want to hold on to and look for those people. The people that don't notice that you're not around, those are not strong friendships. And it's not saying that they're not friends with you, but they're not people that you're going to call when you need them, right? They're the people that are just kind of peripherally around you and they like you and you may like them and they're fun to go out to lunch with every once in a while, but they're not the people to call in a crisis. So having four or five is great. If you have one, you're, you're doing good. So I really think as an adult, we, we need to measure our friendships in quality and not quantity. That being said, I think it's also important for us to recognize that we need to be those kinds of friends to other people too. You can't always wait for people to check on you if you don't check on them. And you know, if you have a friend, even if they're really cheerful and positive, and let me tell you, sometimes the most cheerful and positive people are the ones that are struggling the most. Because they're afraid to let down that guard of positivity because they're afraid you're not going to like them. Check on them. If you haven't heard from them in a couple days and you normally do, make sure that you check and see if they're okay. Because sometimes they're not. And it makes a huge difference. I can say this from personal experience. When you are lonely or if you're depressed, you feel like no one cares and no one notices. Just a text can change the way that person feels send them that text. If you're thinking about somebody right now, send that text. Just say, hey, thinking about you. It doesn't have to be more than that. Let them open the door to the conversation. But show up for your friends. It takes work, but it is definitely worth it to keep the friendships that you want to have for the rest of your life. There are a lot of lessons that I wish I had learned as a younger person. And at the top of that list, this this is one of them, that we are called to love everyone, but we are not called to like. So the Bible tells us to love as Christ loved the church, but it does not say that we have to hang out with everybody at the mall on Friday night. And for some reason, when I was younger, well, for a lot of reasons, I felt like I was just like the direct spokesperson for ministry, like the ministry of our church. So if anybody came to visit the church that my dad pastored or they were a member and they wanted to be my friend, I felt like I had to be their friend, 
regardless of whether I liked them or not, or we had anything in common. And so I would hang out with these people that I didn't necessarily get along with or like, and I'd come home exhausted and I'd feel guilty. And I'd, you know, I'd feel like they had gotten a version of me that wasn't even me because they had. And then finally it would get to a point where I couldn't handle it anymore. And I would just cut everything off. I would just stop talking to them completely, which of course hurt them. They didn't know what was happening. (laughs) And, you know, in their eyes, the person that was their friend just did like a complete 180 and, you know, just decided to be a different person. And so, and it's because I did, I was, I wasn't the person that they thought I was. And so then we had a lot of fights and a lot of tension and drama and a lot of things that I could have avoided if I had just realized that we're not called to be everybody's friend. And this, I really learned this lesson when I was in my twenties. I had a friend that I didn't really stop to ask myself if we got along. She just, she asked to be my friend and I was like, okay. But I started noticing, you know, that she was putting me down a lot in in situations. She would make fun of me in a jokey way um, or mumble things under her breath. And finally, my sister came to visit and we hung out with this girl. And after she left, my sister looked at me and she was like, why do you like her? And it was like someone had finally just like rung a bell in my head where I was like, you know, or Oprah had her aha moment. I was like, oh, I don't like her. I don't have to be her friend. And so... I think we all need to give ourselves permission to know that like, you don't have to be everybody's friend. It is okay. Should we be kind to everybody? Absolutely. But you do not have to hang out with everybody that wants to hang out with you. So I think there are a lot of reasons that we end friendships and a lot of ways that we end friendships. So I want to make this, this statement first. Like if you are in a relationship or a friendship, that's just not good for you. Like it's unsafe either physically or for your mental health. If you're in a toxic friendship, because there are such things, I have been in toxic friendships, you do need to cut that off. And I think you're completely justified to cut it off and walk away and not have contact with that person. It's okay. You're you're preserving yourself and you're, you know, keeping yourself safe. So that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the realiza- realization that I just had with that friend when I was in my 20s when I realized I just didn't want to hang out with her anymore. I think there are two ways that we end friendships. And I think one way, it's they're both hard, but one way is a little less hard. And then the other one is, is mean, <laughs> just honestly. So the first way that I think is a little kinder is what I would call a gradual ghosting, right? So it's still, you're still ending the friendship, but you're doing it in a way that is kind, as kind as you can be. Now, I saw an Instagram video this past week where it was a psychiatrist. I don't know who would go to see this lady, but she was role-playing, which, guys, is there anything more cringeworthy than an adult role-playing about a serious topic? <laughs> like, I can sometimes not even bear, I can't get through the video because I'm like, oh, this is terrible. But she was playing both parts. She was playing uh, friend A and friend B. Friend A is confused because friend B has ended their friendship. And she's, she's telling people in this video, the psychiatrist is like, this is the healthiest way to end a friendship. And so it was like friend A would be like, 
I don't understand. What did I do? And then friend B would say, I just feel that it is no longer in my best interest to continue this relationship. And then friend A would be like, but why? What did I do? Friend B would be like, here's all the things you did. What? Can you imagine if somebody you know, like sat you down and they were like, listen, we're not going to be friends anymore. And here's a list of all the ways you're a loser. I do not recommend that. I think that that is extremely cruel. But I do think the gradual pulling away is a kind way to do it. And it's been done to me. And does it hurt? Yeah, it still hurts. And is it hard to do if you're having to do it? Yes. But I do think that it is the way to spare some feelings. And and so, you know, you just, you stop being available to hang out when they ask as many times. Um, you're not texting them randomly through the day like you used to. You may be you know, you return the voicemails, but you're, you're again, not available. And I think that when we do it in this way and, and we're kind in a way that, that we go about it, it's a little less painful because by the time they realize that maybe the friendship is, has pulled away, it, some time has gone by if you did it in a gradual way. So the hurt is not quite as awful. I think the second way that people and the most hurtful way that we end a friendship is just the complete ghost. And that's when we just, like I used to do, stop talking to them. I mean, this is someone that you maybe have talked to every day and you just cut them off. You quit answering the phone. You quit showing up to hang out. You quit texting them back. And, you know, I used to do this because I thought I, I, thought I was being kind, but then someone did it to me. And you guys, it's, it's not fun <laughs> because here's the thing. This person goes from being the person that you talk to all the time to now they act like they died. You know, it's like they went into witness protection and you have no idea what you did. But the worst part of it is if you have mutual friends who still f see that person. I can remember when this friend ghosted me, I would see them on like Instagram or Facebook hanging out with our mutual friends. So they're alive and thriving. And I'm like, what is going on? It is very hurtful. And to this day, I don't know what I did wrong. And so I, I can recognize because I had done it before that this person probably did not want to have a confrontation. And so they were trying to end the friendship in the least traumatic way possible. But I think that if you're friends with someone and if the friendship was real at any point, they deserve a little bit more than that, right? So I don't think... <laughs> that just stopping talking to someone completely is the best course of action. So if you're thinking about ending a friendship, think about the way, I really think we should think about what if it was us because it changes when, when you're the one that is the one being walked away from. So that brings us to our next discussion point is what do we do if we're on the other side of it? both instances where I was gradually ghosted and the one where I was completely ghosted, I tried everything I could to save the friendship. Um, and the one where I was gradually ghosted, I texted her a lot. I called her. I tried to be there. Um, and she was always kind, but every conversation kind of felt like the end, if that makes sense. Like there was no really openings. There were no more openings for further discussion. It was just over. And then in the one where I was totally ghosted, you know, I would ask friends what was going on. Did they know? And after a while, I just started to feel in both instances pathetic. And I realized that I had to accept for whatever reason 
and I may never know the reason, they just didn't want to hang out with me anymore. And I think we have to ask ourselves, do we want to be friends with people who don't like us or don't want to hang out with us? No, of course we don't. And so I think we just have to accept it that sometimes people are not going to want to continue to be your friend. Not everybody is going to like you forever. And it is a hard thing to accept. But I also think we have to realize after a while, after the sting has gone down a little bit, if we can, that it does not affect your worth. It says nothing about your likability in the future. Elise Myers is um, an Instagrammer, TikToker. She has a podcast. And she says something um, that she says, like, if you're too much for people, they can go find less, right? She even has a sweatshirt that says, go find less. And I think that that is great advice because you're not going to be for everybody, People, if people can get tired of you, they're not your people, right? So we have to come to a place where we accept that just because this person did not work out in the friendship lane, it doesn't mean that you don't have lots of other opportunities for friendship because you are a lovable person and your worth does not lie in what other people think, okay? And then I also realized after a while when I've had time to step back that the memories that I have of when the friendships were good are still good memories. My sister said this um, and I thought about it and I was like, this is a really good point. She said that of all the friendships that have ended in whatever way they ended, some of them were bad, some of them were just gradual, and some of them were really hurtful. She can look back on the things that were fun when they had fun and they're still fun. Like the memories are still good. And sometimes it takes a while for us to be able to remember the good times without that little barb of regret. But after a while, I promise you, as years go by, you will look back on the fun times and the good things that you did and be like, I'm glad I had that friendship. Because here's the thing. Everything is a learning experience. And this sounds like an old fuddy-duddy <laughs> telling it to a high school student, listen, you're good. But it is absolutely true. The older I get, the more I realize that everything that happens to you we may not know the reason and it may not be good, but we learn something. And so try to find the things that you have learned in all of your past friendships. Hold on to those things. Keep the people that love you close and the ones that let you go, let them go with grace and wish nothing but the best for them, but wish better things for yourself. So my thing for this week is a piece of advice and a petition. So the advice is, I've been watching a lot of Netflix as per usual, and I have found that I watch a lot of different shows and movies that are from different countries. So English is their, not their original language. Um, they're not filmed in English. And Netflix has the option to watch everything dubbed over in English, most of them. And I usually choose the English version. Or I had been because a lot of times I am watching while I'm doing something on my phone and I really didn't want to have to pay attention to the subtitles. But I would leave every one of those foreign language dubbed shows and feel like they were super cheesy. And I realized it was because the English, the American dubbing is terrible. <laughs> Everything they say is like, John, no, don't get murdered. Ha ha ha. You're so funny. Oh, is that a ghost? And like every interaction with people is like from, it's from a soap opera. It's like you're watching Days of Our Lives or you're watching a really bad high school play. <laughs> and so I finally just switched over to the original like Swedish language. 
And it's so good because they're good actors and they're acting well. We just have terrible English dubbing. And so my petition is also, how do we get Netflix to get people to record the English versions that are better actors? Because they're awful. And my other gripe is that if if there's ever a child, God forbid there's a child in like a German-speaking movie, and they've dubbed it in English, the six-year-old little girl will be played by a 49-year-old woman who's like, oh, daddy, don't pick up that hammer. It might hurt your hand. That is not a child. Can we get real children? Is, is, that, is that hard? Is that impossible? So that is, that is my advice for you this week. Listen to the foreign language shows in the original language. And if anybody is listening that knows anybody at Netflix, let's get that uh, dubbing fixed. We know better. We can do better. All right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. And please don't forget to follow and subscribe to the podcast. And if you could leave a review and a rating, a nice one, please, on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to me. If you want to find me on Instagram, it's super easy. It's at Resting Church Face. I hope you have a wonderful week and let's get together again soon.